Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com, the Big Change Program, and Well Start Health. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a happy and heart healthy life. Today's guest, Dr. Joel Kahn, has been making the rounds of the media lately. He's been on The Doctors a couple of times, and I think he has a third episode going to be released soon. He spoke at Google in a uh, high profile discussion slash debate with some folks from the keto slash paleo part of the world. And if I had him on the podcast every time he wrote a new book, he could take my job because he is that prolific. His most recent book is The Plant-Based Solution. Uh, other books he's written since we last talked include Vegan Sex, De Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, and The No BS Diet. Uh, Dr. Khan is gentle, kind, funny, and also he's a real pugilist. He's a real scrapper, and he's not afraid to get into the ring and slug it out with folks who are peddling nutritional fake news, like this crazy idea that somehow vegetables are dangerous for us. You can watch this episode as well as listen to it. And the uh, YouTube link is available on the show notes for today's show, which is plantyourself.com slash 282. Just a quick word to acknowledge all of the outpouring of support and story sharing and tears that I received in response to last week's episode in which I just talked about my own life and my own motivation. Um, at one point, my wife was driving me home. Uh, I fasted last week, so I was not in a fit condition to drive or do much else. But she was driving me home and I was reading, uh, scrolling through emails that I had received, and I could not finish a single one without blubbering. And partly, I guess it was the fast, but partly just this heart sharing, these stories. Everyone's got a story like this, right? Who wouldn't have a story of a loved one ripped from your family too soon because of a preventable disease? So I just want to thank all the people who reached out. You, you really have enriched me and, and solidified me in, in this mission. And last thing before we get to today's episode is the WellStart Health 12-week intensive uh, the Big Change Program, DNA, mo moved to WellStart Health, begins on August 13th. So today is August 7th. You have until Friday to sign up. We're not going to process anything over the weekend. So if you're interested, go to wellstarthealth.com slash program, read all about it. If you're ready, if you're ready to work with me and Josh and other coaches for support, for guidance, for daily inspiration, to get healthy and fit, reverse chronic disease, get in the best shape of your life, get happy, you can go straight to wellstarthealth.com slash apply. And if you're not sure 
If you'd like to schedule a 15 minute call with me to see if this would be a good fit for you, you can self schedule that phone call at plantyourself.com slash HJ. Those are my initials, Howard Jacobson, plantyourself.com slash HJ. We'll get 15 minutes on the phone and we will see if this might be a good idea for you. All right. Well, that's taking care of business. So let's get on to the main show. Without further ado, Dr. Joel Kahn, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. So you've you've been busy. You've been out on the front lines. I think that's true. I've got a few bullet wounds and uh, stab wounds for getting involved in conversations about optimal diet or environmentally friendly diet, uh, including this morning on Twitter, where uh, I heard it said recently, that's where angry old men fight all the good fights is on Twitter. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a warrior for science, and the science so strongly favors plant diets that I just can't stand to see unanswered barbs when they come our way, so I answer them. Wonderful. So you, were, uh, you got a lot of attention for being on The Doctor's. Um, I think with Stephen Gundry of the Plant Paradox, and you know everyone I know thinks you won. I'm sure. I'm sure all of Gundry's friends, you know, think he won. Like the same way we saw the the polling. Um, and you said you have a, you have a, a new episode that's been filmed but not released. Can you talk about that, or is that hush hush? No, no, I don't think it's any problem. You know, they film episodes of the Doctor Show for upcoming seasons, so you know nothing's hotter right now unfortunately, than the ketogenic diet. God bless Halle Berry and her tight buttocks. But she, you know, she and Hugh Jackman and LeBron James and the great scientist and nutrition up for the Nobel Prize in Medicine, Kim Kardashian, uh, who talk about, you know, just get all the carbs out of your life, put in a high-fat diet, and you'll look slim and gorgeous, the ketogenic diet which is just basically the Atkins diet, except people actually do it now for six months or 12 months or three years or five years, is very hot. So we discussed um, a new documentary, not so new, actually called The Magic Pill, purporting to be the what the health of the animal-based ketogenic movement of all these miraculous medical improvements on the ketogenic diet, of which there is one. There is a response to patients with epilepsy who aren't responding to medicine to doing this kind of diet. Although the literature also talks about all the side effects of doing it. Nobody on People Magazine or Us Magazine, US, whatever it's called, you know, talk about the side effects. So we had ourselves a real good discussion about this documentary, which nobody should watch. Uh, <laughs> I, I renamed the, ma the documentary The Magic Kill instead of The Magic Pill, because authentically there actually is serious science data that if you choose to eat animal products without carbs long-term, low-carb, high-fat diet, you actually may be increasing your risk of premature death. And that's not mm. stuff I make so, up, stuff in the literature. Yeah, can we talk about this for a little bit? Because I just got back from, like, one of the best weekends of my life. I, I joined my local uh, men's 50 and over ultimate Frisbee team, wow. and we went and played in the Nationals. And I hung out with these guys. We, we rented a giant Airbnb, and... You know, I just kind of fell in love with the camaraderie and with these wonderful men. And I was shocked to see, like, what they're eating for health. And these are, you know, smart guys, engineers, coders, high-powered lawyers. And, like, I'm the little, you know, the, the cute vegan, you know, going to, to the store and buying kale and avocados. And, you know, poor me, like, all of them are eating their stuff. But I, I kind of would like to send this episode out to them. 
Okay, um, well, so can we, one, can, we talk, all, can we can all we talk pray, to them? Let's pray for their erectile function because I worry that it's either been damaged or will be damaged. So for a moment, a moment of silence. Okay, we're back. <laughs> um, that was a message to your friends. Okay, um, so if they, if they weren't turned on by your reference to Haley Berry's tight buttocks, we know there's we we know there's a problem already. Right? Or or if they're looking and not getting a response, there's a problem already. But you can correct that with enough fruits and vegetables. That's actually also a uh, published data from Harvard that uh, actually erectile function is enhanced by the polyphenols in fruits and vegetables more than any other food group. Um, so um, this concept that uh, low-carb is healthy and high-fat will promote. The idea here is if you eat low-carb, glucose won't be the primary fuel in your body. Your body will shift to making a chemical group we don't normally make unless we're under severe stress called ketone bodies. When we're starving, we make ketone bodies. When we're in diabetic crisis, we make ketone bodies. But we're now having people electively choose to shift their metabolism and force it to make ketone bodies week after week, month after month, year after year. And you can just buy for $5 at the grocery store little test strips and find out if you're spilling ketones, which when I was in medical school, that diagnosed you as a severe diabetic. Now it diagnoses you as a trendy, you know, ultimate Frisbee member team. Um, I don't know how you got on that over 50 team. There's some kind of uh, problem there, but anyways. Um, so the, there's a couple false, uh, and, and number one, there are people that say they feel better, look better, lose weight, and um, even some short-term studies, what are called metabolic markers, cholesterol, blood pressure, waistline, inflammation. Anytime you take the standard American diet, which can be two-thirds processed food, high in chemicals, high in salt, high in oil, high in animal foods, and you shift it cleaner, whether it's paleo cleaner, keto cleaner, because anybody adopting the keto diet, the paleo diet, is usually already, and, and just like vegans, we're somewhat elite. You know, we care about our food, and we think before we eat, and we're purposely buying often better food. So some of these responses are typical that anytime you take the standard American diet and improve it, you'll see some measurable response for the better. So that's why I don't argue that paleo has no value. It's just um, it, there is a downside in an environmental drain and... Uh, potentially a long-term atherosclerotic trait. So that's number one. Number two, one of the brightest minds, and most people don't know this name, is a guy at the NIH named Kevin Hall. He's a um, researcher, and he does the most exquisite kind of studies called metabolic ward studies, like Dr. Ansel Keys used to do in the 60s that define the role of dietary fat and cholesterol in the blood. So just in 2016, Kevin Hall took a group of men and put them on a standard diet for four weeks, and they had to live at the National Institutes of Health, and they had to go through intense metabolic measurements, and then he put them on an authentic ketogenic diet, 5% of calories from carbohydrates. That's really low. I remember like 70 plus percent from fat calories, and these people had no choice. They were given the food. The fascinating finding in this uh, really most elegant study of the ketogenic diet, he, he did document that they were making ketone bodies, they were ketogenic, was that actually the rate at which they were burning fat slowed down, slowed down, slowed down, slowed down. And actually he then put them on a, on a high carb diet, low in fat, and it went back up. So actually there was greater fat burning. Nobody believes this, but this, this is the most elegant science that on a high carb diet, and there were exactly 
exactly the same number of calories because you can do that at the NIH and a metabolic ward. If you're eating 2,000 calories a day that's high carb, which is what you and I do, or 2,000 calories a day that's high fat, which is what your ultimate Frisbee mates do, you'll actually burn more fat, at least if you're in Bethesda, Maryland, at the most advanced metabolic ward anywhere, on the high-carb diet. So that blows away the idea because, again, both of those diets were lower calorie than the average American and were better in their absence of McDonald's, Wendy's, and Wahlberg's. Now, now they, they, so you're saying they were isocaloric diets, meaning they were both 2,000 calories? I didn't calories. want to use that term. They were isocaloric diets, exactly. And the second question is... Did, did they did they did they do a a control another group in which they switched in which they had them do high carb first? Each like I'm person, I'm, think, each I'm thinking like your friends from from the big you know the magic kill like right. what, is there is there is there room to quibble about this you know or is this like the final um, word? Uh, you know nobody's yet done that exact you know a ketogenic diet versus a pure whole food. Um, plant diet. You know, we haven't had that head-to-head, even mm-hmm. short-term. But these people in Kevin Hall's uh, research study were their own controls. How did they respond to high carb? How did they respond to high fat? Four weeks. In the real world, it's hard to get people to live at the NIH for more than eight weeks. So, I mean, that's about as long as you're going to go. And the second fallacy for the ultimate Frisbee people is, um, is that there are now about seven studies, I've written about this, that either show an early death rate or a advanced heart disease calcification rate or, you know, but the death rate is enough. There's a study named NOTO, N-O-T-O in 2013, 272,000 subjects studied long term. Those that described their diet, low carb, high fat, died early. And there's studies from Sweden and studies from Greece and several from the United States and such. So when your buddies are doing this, of course they've never tried a clean, whole food, plant diet, naturally low in salt, oil, and sugar, and seeing how they feel and how they um, you know, uh, perform and what their numbers are like. They're going from bad diets to odd diets, you know, very meat-heavy diets, and they may see some short-term improvement, but it's delusional in terms of believing. One, it can't be good for the environment, and nobody will ever talk about these crazies on Twitter, Dr. Sean Baker, who eats meat three times a day as his only food source, but will not discuss if he were actually successful convincing large groups of people to follow him in this craziness, uh, what's going to do to greenhouse gases and water purity and air quality and uh, let alone animal suffering. So, you know, there, there, there is a cult of ultimate machoism that is about, you know, meat, 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 that has always existed, but it actually seems like it's, I think this is the last gasp before they all die. I really think plant-based nutrition from a food industry standpoint, from um, you know, a governmental policy standpoint is on the rise and favorable, but, but I think they're clinging like the dairy industry is so rapidly going downhill, but you know, they're gonna, they're gonna fight back. They got the dollars to, you know, publish this study three weeks ago about whole fat dairy and the whole, you know, the whole study was warped and uh, funded in ways that it certainly seemed to influence its outcome. Hmm. So you, you mentioned before we started recording that you were uh, on the doctors recently with a very smart scientist or doctor. Yeah. Um, so what are like, I'm, I'm fascinated by smart people who are well trained in science, who have different perspectives 
than me. Like I'm always looking for like, how are we differing? Are they looking at different evidence than we are? Are they interpreting it differently? Right. Where where is the gap for people of for intelligent people of goodwill? Yeah. Um, so one, it's the absence to discuss the environment. I said that before. I'll say it again. And I am somewhat parroting Dr. David Katz from Yale to promote a dietary pattern and not include its impact on the environment is not consistent with 2018 screaming to 10 billion people on the planet that we have to feed and have enough air, water, and forest to survive. It's not possible. So that's why. And two, they will not discuss animal husbandry and CAFOs and antibiotic resistance at all. Those are issues. I mean, you know, you might be eating pattern A, pattern B, pattern C for your personal health, but we are a community and we need to always bring that up as an issue. Thirdly, there, I mean, if you're willing to look at short-term studies, look at non-randomized studies, and look at studies that don't include cardiovascular endpoints. So as I said, there's a company out there that I'm not a particular fan of, Virta Health, V-I-R-T-A Health, that does online coaching using ketogenic style diets for type two diabetics, it's quite expensive. And they've published first six month and then 12 month data that looks rather favorable. And some people get off of meds, some people lose weight. Um, you know, again, where, what diet are you starting at? Because all bad diets can be made better, but doesn't mean the diet that you're doing is really a good one. Two, there's no um, control group. Um, all the authors and uh, uh, people involved are investors, which may or may not influence them. I don't know these people personally. And finally, they're relatively short term. I mean, atherosclerosis takes years to decades. Cancer takes years to decades to develop. So if you just pound in all these pro-aging, pro-cancer, pro-atherosclerosis food groups, you're not going to detect that in six or 12 months. And they're not even looking for it. They're not really looking at cardiovascular parameters. Um, you know, the idea here is that weight loss translates always to better survival and outcome. Well, you know, unhealthy weight loss doesn't always translate to uh, better survival, better outcome. So, um, you know, I guess it depends what yardstick you're using to measure success. Mm -hmm. So is there anyone out there who is truly like interested in the science? You know, like like people who disagree, who say, let's let's do a study together and let's agree on. Yeah. You know There's what I'm saying? That, like, yeah, yeah, we need that. We need that. And in, in just in terms, I actually think, and Howard, you need to do this with me. It would be awesome to have a documentary called Stop Eating Junk that actually had the entire spectrum of foodies on it. Because even Dr. Sean Baker, the orthopedic surgeon who lost his medical license in New Mexico, but still gives health advice to all kinds of people and eats meat three times a day, would appear on that film and say, stop going to fast food restaurants, vending machines, hospital cafeterias, and school lunch trays, eat better than that. As well as Dr. Dean Ornish and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn would agree, you know, we could get 100 experts to come to unity because that's probably a message that every American needs to hear. And when you and I are discussing low carb, high fat, high, we're talking to, you know, 15% of America maybe that are at this level of sophistication. So on a community level, there's very little. Um, I actually, despite sometimes playing the warrior on various panels and conferences, actually do try and I have more friends on the other side of the aisle than uh, I think most do. I, as some people saw in November, I was out at Google headquarters, Googleplex, 
and had an hour-long discussion with Kip Anderson and Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey, a bulletproof coffee, to you know, five and a half pounds of butter in your coffee every morning kind of guy. It's not it's two tablespoons or two sticks, depending on what you want to do. And we can have an intelligent conversation. I certainly don't agree with everything he says. In terms of science, again, I'm probably going to say Kevin Hall, uh, the name I mentioned. Everybody can look him up. Um, you know, he's not a celebrity, but he's a scientist who's active on Twitter and uh, active in the blogosphere a bit. I'm Walter Longo. Walter Longo. I'll, um, I'm reaching over because we do want to uh, always uh, be sure to be somewhat crass and commercial and say, don't forget my book. But Dr. <laughs> Walter Longo of the University of Southern California, uh, the longevity diet book and the creator of a food program called Prolon or a fasting mimicking diet program. We can talk about that, which is actually a merger of all this. You know, he's a scientist. He, he's above, you know, titles, labels and all. He's about what's most likely to activate pathways, what nutrition is most likely to activate pathways that promote health, longevity and what's called health span. And in fact, his food program, which is plant based just got awarded the first patent ever for promoting healthy lifespan and regenerating uh, the body. It's kind of an amazing thing. Right. That yeah, I, 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 that. I had him on the podcast. Uh, ah, thanks, thank, actually, good. thanks to your introduction. So you, you greased the wheels for that. Yeah. Um, you know, so and he and I um, didn't see eye to eye on a few things. And, right. you know, I, I assume he's going to win the Nobel Prize. So I didn't want to, like, embarrass myself. By, but, um, you know, we, we kind of noodled around. You know, his view is that people are like the diet that you and I recommend is far too extreme for most people. Uh, yeah, he's, which, which, he's about La Dolce Vita, that, um, you know, uh, pain and suffering. Yet he's still talking about 18 or 19 plant based meals a week as the foundation of your long term healthy plan. I mean, I, right. I think that's pretty a uh, pretty strong vote in favor of not eating meat three times a day, which he would just say you know, nonsense from a scientific standpoint. Right. And, and yet, so I'm, going, I'm thinking back to my ultimate Frisbee buddies. It certainly is easier to get them to believe that a diet with full of, you know, butter and bacon um, is healthier. Right. That, you know, like, and so he's got a point. Like we, ha we I think we do have a, a palatability problem. At least not in, you know, not necessarily in terms of actual food, but in terms of thinking about like, what would you rather do? Like, you know, so I've I'm part of this uh, this, you know, well start. And one of the things we're hearing from um, employers is my people aren't going to do this. You know, we're, we're, we're stepping away from the word plant based. We're trying to figure out, like, you know, is it anti-inflammatory diet or, a you know, microbiome happy diet, like something that that doesn't kind of signal to people that they have to, quote, give up or, you know, all their all their favorites. It's called the good sex diet. And then they'll come on board. Oh, um, I'm seeing I'm seeing no, a theme but, here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it is a way to, you know, talk to people in a way that they, uh, you know, I'm not talking down to anybody. It's a basic human uh, function. And uh, frankly, it's one of the best barometers of good cardiovascular health there is from the scientific standpoint. But um I, you know, yeah, 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 I obviously have to give shout outs to Dr. Esselstyn. Is it extreme to eat plant based or is it extreme to have your chest cracked and take veins from your legs and have bypass or have to use medications to have a sexual response or have to take medications for your blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, and what's really extreme? 
But nonetheless, are we going to, you know, what percentage of the population are we going to have largely or completely plant-based, you know, in 10 years to 20 years? I mean, it's not going to be 50%. Although the food industry may make that possible, you know, with these beet protein fish products that are coming out at the end of this year and uh, increasingly the, just the success of Beyond Meat Burger and Impossible Burger, which I don't think are very healthy options, but they're healthier and they're healthier for the environment and healthier for animals. Yeah, they're, they're more um, mind, mind opening. Yeah. Right. So there are those movements and it's still such a crazy word, the reducetarian movement, reduce your animal products, increase your fruit and vegetables, whole grains and legumes, that's successful. There's a conference in Los Angeles in September uh, of that movement, uh, Brian Kastman, if I remember his name. Um, you know, Brian Cateman. Uh, Cateman, thank you. I put an S there. And then there's, um, you know, Michael Bittman, vegan before six, you know, breakfast, lunch, you're not really, it's not a manly meal, so have your oatmeal and have your salad, but dinner's manly, so be sure to leave yourself time to hang with the buddies and have a steak. I mean, every one of those are important movements forward um but if you're a cardiovascular patient they're not enough gotcha so you mentioned that you're going out to a uh, plantrician i guess that's in uh, mid-september yeah san right. diego mid-september right so I'll, I'll i'll be there i'm looking forward yeah. to hearing you what, what are you talking about yeah um i am talking about the role of plant-based nutrition and inflammation because you know many people are familiar with and i'm sure you've had guests on your podcast that um a whole list of lifestyle factors and other maladies can lead our body to cause a chemical reaction. The middle word of inflammation is flame and you're on fire and that can be measured through advanced lab testing and it can be for vegans it's often omega-3 deficiency, it's often low vitamin D levels and I am a fan of Dr. Michael Greger talking about taking routine small amounts of vitamin D and algae based omega-3 if you're totally plant eating human, and I do that myself. Uh, it could be, you know, hidden dental infections, obesity around the belly, poor sleep, sleep apnea, psoriasis. Psoriasis is a terrible disease, more systemic than we used to think. Uh, but the data about the impact, you know, Dr. Andrew Weil said 20 years ago, a plant-strong diet was an anti-inflammatory diet, and he introduced the idea that diet can be pro-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory, and most of the data on meat, certainly processed meat, but even other forms of meat is that it's inflammatory, it raises C-reactive protein. So we're going to talk about all that because, you know, it's just one more way to feel that elephant than the seven blind man, men when you lower inflammation, which is a huge part of what I do in my practice, the conversation with patients, you know, we've got to get these numbers better and we're going to go through your forks over knives diet and we're going to go through your fitness program and your sleep and evaluate you for apnea, you know, and, and nutritional adequacy so that's what we'll be talking about gotcha so so you know as i said one of the things we're looking at as a moniker instead of plant-based is anti-inflammation diet so help help us talk to talk to people who aren't well versed in physiology like what what is inf like inflammation is a natural body response to certain things like so when, what's it for and why does it seem to get triggered by things like excess fats and and so there's, a, you know, there's a, an acute inflammation response we're all very grateful for. You cut your finger, you get a mosquito bite, you have a cold, you want white cells, and you want the chemicals that come with white cells, chemokines, cytokines, chemotrains, whatever. You want an explosion of a response to 
kill that strep bacteria and put your throat and your lungs back to normal and get rid of that mosquito bite uh, toxin and all the rest. That's an acute inflammatory response. It comes and it goes. But what we're talking about is chronic inflammation of which you might feel psoriasis, eczema, uh, colitis, um, sore joints, swollen joints, um, would be some of the more common, you know, manifestations clinically. But really, it's also about chemistry diagnosis that we have the extremely advanced ability to measure all kind of products in the blood that the body only responds when something is not going well. And the challenge of advanced medicine, personalized medicine, integrated medicine is to figure out the why. It's not like we're not going to give steroids to everybody. That would do a great thing for a short term. That's like the ketogenic diet. It's like a steroid, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing long term. Um, so, you know, take what do plant diets do? They take away some of the inflammatory measures. You do want to have a low sugar version of a plant diet um, would be optimal. Sugar may be inflammatory. Meats, as we said, processed meats the worst. All meats uh, overall can be inflammatory. Exposure to heavy metals, which think about mercury and fish, can be inflammatory. So we're going to miss out on those. And then there's some you know, unique particles in meat and eggs, TMAO, trimethylamine and oxide, new 5GC. I know this is an alphabet soup. I'm not trying to impress anybody. but So we're taking those away. And what are we putting in? The nutrients, the vitamins, the fibers, the vitamin C, the magnesium, the vitamin D in mushrooms, um, you know, the brightly colored polyphenols and flavanols and all these beautiful things that are hard to, you know, just eat a salad. I mean, a salad's anti-inflammatory. A hamburger and fries is pro-inflammatory. Another part is how you cook things. When you take a piece of chicken and you boil it, it's less inflammatory than when you take a piece of chicken and you barbecue the heck out of it. Um, and you know, and you take a portobello and barbecue it, it's nowhere near as inflammatory as a piece of chicken barbecued. It's an innate group of chemical process called advanced glycation end products. So we have an advantage when you eat a largely, or as I do and you do, I believe, eat only plants. It's by nature. Now we can goose it up. Turmeric, very anti-inflammatory. Ginger, very anti-inflammatory. Garlic, onions, very anti-inflammatory. Rosemary, very anti-inflammatory. So don't forget our friends, fresh organic spices as part of the uh, inflammation protocol. Mm -hmm. So help me, help me draw the line between the chronic inflammation and so why do these things cause, uh, you know, between the acute which we like, right? It saves our lives. It keeps, you know, right. kills things and, and removes toxins. So is, are, are you basically saying that eating all these foods and getting the heavy metals is basically like constantly being attacked by substances that our body, you know, needs to deal with? Like we're just, it's like constantly getting cuts and bruises and, and bacterial infections and mosquito bites that, that that's simply, you know, that, that basically we're just constantly doing harm. And so this response is never, never gets to stop. Exactly. It's, you know, again, Dr. Greger's great analogy of the standard American diet of you knock your shin up against a coffee table, it's all bruised, but three times a day you keep knocking, it's never going to heal. And we do know that introducing high fat diets from an animal basis, as you mentioned, probably dairy, um, even, you know, and of course, in some people, wheat based products, if they have uh, celiac sensitivity, you actually can make your gut leaky enough that bacterial products that should be only in your GI tract 
leak into your blood. It's called postprandial endotoxemia, a bacterial toxin that can get in your blood after a single meal. It was shown in 1996 by, I think it was 96 by Robert Vogel, MD, that a single sausage egg McMuffin from McDonald's causes a rise in this bacterial product because it makes your GI wall instantly leaky and then it damages your arteries. So one meal, one bout of inflammation, we're talking though, for most people, it's three, four times a day of a food-based inflammatory process. And there are other factors. There are the um, the skin, the lupus, the uh, factors are silent dental infections. You really have to hunt sometimes. But step one, clean up the diet. And I would clean it up to a plant diet. Um, my friend Jason Fung, MD, who was on the doctor's show against me, would clean it up to a ketogenic diet. They're both cleaner than what a lot of people are walking in the office to start with. All right. And let's, so we, you talked about the causes of inflammation. Um, what are the sequelae? Why, why should we be worried about inflammation particularly? Yeah, because chronic inflammation is associated with premature loss of memory, Alzheimer's. Chronic inflammation is associated with premature vascular disease, heart attack, strokes, erectile dysfunction, and such. Uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, for sure. Um, which I think what other uh, you know major illnesses on the horizon. I mean, high blood pressure tends to be a chronic inflammatory disease. And so, you know, they're all the big ones. They're all the important ones. And which is why, of course, the overall body of literature for plant diets, when you do like Dr. Neil Bernard did, I think in May of 2018, lump all the data for cardiovascular disease for plant diets. You know, there's a 40% drop in cardiovascular disease rates on average across a whole broad spectrum of studies because one function of adopting a plant diet is lowering chronic inflammation or maybe completely uh, eliminating it. Yeah. Gotcha. So if it could be stuff, you know, if I'm, I'm eating, you know, yeah, whole food plant-based diet, um, but I don't know uh, if I have, uh, you know, dental infections. I, um, I snore. I had sleep apnea. Um, I've been doing a bunch of things. I still don't know. You know, I don't want to spend another 600 bucks on a sleep study. Is, are there simple, easy, affordable tests to assess inflammation? Yeah, the simplest one is a blood test that your local doctor can do, and I would certainly believe it's way under $50 and likely to be covered by your insurance plan, the high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, also called HS-CRP. Many people believe it should be a routine blood test, although just in the past 10 days, the U.S. Preventive Task Force said we're not quite ready for prime time. Every doctor in America checking a high sensitivity C-reactive protein. I think it's more because the physicians aren't trained to ask the next question if it's high. Get a sleep test, get a dental exam, get some nutritional history out of people. It slows down your visit and you have to be fairly personalized about it. So high sensitivity C-reactive protein. If that's low, then you're probably your, your snoring isn't really a serious factor and your diet is working optimally. But um, a huge number of people are elevated. Gotcha. And is this, how sensitive is this to like an egg McMuffin? So is it, you know, is it more like A1C or blood glucose? Um, more like um, A1C, yeah. It will change quicker than A1C. And that's a three, two to three month diabetic blood average test that's very useful to get. C-reactive protein could fall within less than a month, but um, it's not going to, yeah, I, I don't believe you'll see it arise with one single meal. 
you'll be able to measure other things with one scene. Our, our ter- I'm a cardiologist. Our artery function deteriorates with one milkshake. That was a study in the last 12 months. With one sausage egg McMuffin. That was that study in the 1990s and others. So you can, there's actually the best study ever done was a study of arterial function where they actually went, healthy volunteers, got a hospital hamburger right out of the hospital cafeteria to the hospital research lab, fed it to healthy volunteers, artery function hit the bottom within uh, four hours that they measured. Then they had on another day, people do the same thing, eating the same burger but with a giant salad or eating the same burger with a giant avocado. And there was no longer a significant drop in artery function. That the antidote is, even if you got a garbage diet, add fruits and vegetables. Now, the optimal is leave the burger in the hospital cafeteria and be sure to protest that they improve the quality of their food so they take it off the menu uh, so it doesn't enhance the risk of colorectal cancer, breast cancer, and cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and congestive heart failure. But hospital administrators don't listen to your podcast, so unfortunately they won't do that. Hmm. So is, I know uh, like Dr. Sarai Stancic is, uh, is active in, in trying to put turn, talk some yeah. sense. Um, right. Like what, what, there have been a few places around the country, a few like bright lights that have uh, changed. Do you, have, do you have a sense of like, you know, the politics or the social movement? Like, is this a trend? Is, is there growing pressure? Yeah, we do need to give a shout out to Dr. Robert Osfeld in Montefiore, New York. I'll be at his conference in uh, October uh, on the panel and uh, what he's done to have every hospital room actually shows forks over knives on a continuous loop if you happen to turn on that channel. You can be in the emergency room having chest pain and actually learn from Dr. Esselstyn that you can eat your way out of it and go home. Although I'm not suggesting that. Uh, it's pretty radical that he's got that accomplished, plus a cafeteria with wonderful plan options in a inner city, low-income neighborhood, which is, you know, the final victory for it all. And there's other great places, St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in Ann Arbor, close to me. and other. But do I think it's moving fast? Very slowly. We are seeing less McDonald's and less Wendy's, thank God, and children's hospitals and adult hospitals. We still have Wendy's in one of the hospitals I attend at, so... I protested, so they added a Chick-fil-A right next to it because they said, Fungu, we got to make some money. And another hospital I'm at is putting in Wahlburgers. Of course, it's got to be good for you if Mark Wahlberg eats it. Uh, I don't think he'd actually eat that food. He wouldn't stay young looking very long. Um, It's slowly moving. I think the young generation, the medical students, are occasionally getting lectures and actually occasionally, like Tulane University, getting cooking classes. Oh, my God. You know a generation of physicians, nurses, dentists, chiropractors, physician assistants that can actually at least ask, what do you eat? And watch forks over knives. I mean, that takes one minute. That's what I did for a lot of years till I changed my practice to really educate people on full immersion into plant diet. Now you you um, are a co-founder, I think, of the, the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group, this amazing community organization. Um, in, in, out of Detroit area, and one of the things that you guys are doing is going around to medical schools, right? Right. So um, we this is a group that's now about four and a half years old with more than 5,000 members in southeastern Michigan. We thought there'd be 20 members. And Paul Chatland, to give credit, credit to one of the heroes of America, 
uh, has put his heart and soul and asked me four and a half years ago if I would join him on this uh, great mission, which we thought was going to be a small mission. But yeah, we'll have superstars like you or superstars like Dr. Esselstyn or uh, Juliana Hever. And when they're in town, we schlep them to Wayne State University School of Medicine, the largest medical school in America. They won't let us on the curriculum, but they'll let us do a lunch and learn if we bring the lunch and provide the entertainment. Why not? You know, we'll schlep them occasionally. University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. They're a little stuffier. They're getting you know a little more blue uh, blue blazer Mayo Clinic kind of types. And we actually have one other medical school. We have a few around here that will uh, drag the ex. Or two. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. been quite impactful. But we, we, you know, and I'm excited those 24 year old medical students, um, half of them are saying, I eat largely plant based, and they show up at my restaurants uh, and they're excited about talking about all this. So the future is bright, but that's, you know, 10 to 15 years of development till we'll see the real impact of all that. Yeah, so I'm curious because I, I, I wasn't one of the people schlepped to Wayne State for, for whatever reason. But I, I have to say, I am a little bit intimidated by doctors, right? So, like, I'm I kind of hold back. One of one of the um, uh, the frisbee players is a cardiologist. Oh, um, meat eating cardiologist? Yeah, yeah. Um, as are you know what Doctor Kim Williams says about that. Yeah, There's I do. There's only two kinds of cardiologists: either vegans or those that don't read the literature. So. Right. Well, he he had read the literature. He's um, our main disagreement was on whether you know the value of the non-clinical trial evidence, right? Like you know, well, there's the there's there's good clinical trial. I mean, it's very hard. I don't think, and you know it, and I know it. What Dr. Dean Ornish was able to accomplish in 1990, and then his five-year follow-up in 1998, to actually do a 48-patient study with the best technology in the world, with two very different diet and lifestyle programs and demonstrate an amazing response that as larger numbers uh, became available, became a Medicare approved program, the Ornish Intensive Cardiac Rehab Lifestyle Program. I mean, for somebody else, we'd all love to see more of those studies. They're difficult. And he, he had fairly lush funding from uh, some of his, uh, even though he's a very young man, from some of the people he was able to uh, get around, I'm sure he wouldn't call it lush, but compared to Dr. Esselstyn, it was lush. Yeah. Um, but yes. th when you take the weight of all that data and the total absence, I mean, that's what Dr. Longo talks about and maybe did the five pillars. What do people that live to 100 healthy and beyond eat? Well, it's not meat three times a week, uh, three times a day. And, you know, all those, the pillars of evidence. I think they so align with plant diets and, and nowhere stronger than for cardiovascular disease prevention and uh, reversal. Right. Well, I sent him a couple of my books. I'll, if, if, if I hear back from him, I'll send him one of yours as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So when, you, when you're talking to the, these medical students, and let's, let's say the ones that aren't, you know, plant curious already or, or aren't kind of on board, what, like, what, what kind of impact can you have? Because I'm thinking about um, like the research of a guy, Greg Walton, who came up with something called Wise Interventions, which was basically like t like figuring out something that you could do in an hour that would impact people iteratively over time. You would change a little bit of their perspective. And so it would 
and then they would change their behavior right. a little bit, their environment would reflect it. And so this one hour intervention could have a disproportionately outsized effect over time. And I'm wondering whether you're finding that, that you know, they're hearing all this stuff in medical school about pathology, about drug treatments, about, and, and they're not hearing anything about lifestyle. And if you come in and you say a few common sense words, does it, does it change things for them? Yeah, I think it can. You know, what comes to mind immediately is when I talk to people, I stole this from Kathy Freston years ago, uh, and I try and steal everything I can from Kathy Freston. Um, but, you know, three tips for people to get started, and tip number one was banish dairy, which has become easier and easier and easier and easier. So I just had a patient sitting in my office 45 minutes ago, and he's made a big transition to plant diet. He just doesn't want to give up coffee creamer. And honestly, I'm a board-certified cardiologist and a professor at two universities, and I printed off a guide on the web about eight great non-dairy substitutes <laughs> for coffee creamer because I think it's going to be one of those uh, you know, wise moments where you know, two to three times a day, I think for the rest of his life, he's going to be going for the hemp milk coffee creamer, not the rather poor quality powdered or uh, cow-based liquid one. So I agree with you, little wins like that little substitutes, I mean, uh, whether it's an egg omelet to an egg white omelet, which is a very small step, but it's a step. And then from an egg white omelet to a bowl of oatmeal, and you know, the last step is oatmeal with kale and make Dr. Esselstyn smile, but that's for the Olympic plant eater with cardiovascular focus. So yeah, I mean, just upping fruits and vegetables. Um, right, but speci power. specifically for these medical students, Right, like, you know, it's like, I when I hear from doctors, right. I mean I haven't I don't think I've talked to a doctor yet who st who started out plant based, right? Who didn't like they they've typically. I was I was plant based before medical school. Were you? That was age oh. eighteen. So age oh. eighteen. So well, it was before. Well, there we go. So I, so so you came in and you took everything yeah. that you learned with a right. with a stock of kale. Uh, that's true. But I, you know, when I when I speak to medical students, it's like wow moments. They've never heard that type two diabetes could possibly be reversed by lifestyle. Now I would talk about plant based lifestyle and Dr. Barnard's seventy six week randomized study. Um, Dr. Fung might talk about a uh, fifty two week non randomized study using other sources. But even just opening their mind, and same with cardiovascular disease, and same with potentially high blood pressure, and same with potential. You know, we all imagine if you're overweight and you change your diet, you lose weight. Though we know that's about ninety eight percent ineffective long term with most of the techniques out there. But that actual chronic diseases, which are linked to chronic inflammation, most commonly can actually be reversed, that there's a prostate cancer study by Dr. Dean Ornish that shows shrinkage and reduction. I mean, they, they, they do not hear this. It's not on the boards. And boy, you can get them hooked into reading more. That's, that's what I'm wondering about, because it, it would be, if I, I'm thinking about myself, if I had invested this much in an education and I'm surrounded by people I regard as incredibly smart and hardworking, and I don't hear about this, I feel like it would be really easy for me to dismiss you coming in as some sort of quack, you know, because like the, you know, the medical field has like really, really powerful anti-quack antibodies. And yeah, it's, true. it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like now it's like this autoimmune disease, disease, it's attacking itself, 
it's attacking the best of medicine because if it's it suspects quackery because how could this possibly be true if i haven't learned it here right yeah and the skepticism is higher in your friend the over 50 cardiologist who has been going potentially to medical meetings and grand rounds and unless he hangs with kim williams in the nutrition section of the american heart association meetings you know he's hearing about drugs and stents and surgery and laser and stem cell um, so I, I would see him being even more resistant. The medical students are malleable, and you know there's still a little bit of um, uh, I'm out the term, but they still have the faith they can actually help people. And what could be more impactful than helping people out of illness? So sometimes I actually got to put a muzzle on some of these kids. They want to you know go after their attendings and say, but you you walked away from the bedside and you didn't mention uh-huh. you know that there is the potential. So some of them have like little cards. You really ought to watch this movie, and they just give them on the patient's tray as they walk out. Or you're at Montefiore Hospital, and you can turn on Channel 42 or whatever it is and watch it. Gotcha. So I want to come back. You mentioned three of the tips you stole from Kathy Freston. We've only got one of them. So I'm feeling a powerful open loop that I want you to fill before you go. Yeah, that's fine. Number two is eat an apple a day. Just one way of introducing more fruits and vegetables into the diet. Of course, an apple a day, keep a doctor away, probably has more value to it than uh, we give it credit for as a uh, wise cell. Number three was bean burger, not a beef burger. And, you know, just, you know, not a hundred things to do. Frankly, I often ask on my first visit, just one, the dairy. And I'll help them with it, with a list of dairy substitutes or creamers. You know, I identify what, what's your hang up? Is it butter? So we got earth balance, hello. You know, I don't personally use much earth balance and things like that. So yeah, those are the three. So is the is it is the dairy the first one because it's the easiest or because it's the worst thing you could be eating? Well, if you're a fan of Dr. Colin Campbell, as you are and I am, and we believe that casein may be the most pro-cancerous of all potentiators on top of the environment. But for me, it's just simply. You know, every grocery store will have almost everything except for the upper end cheeses that they might be buying at an elegant cheese shop. And that's only a matter of time till they can buy um, you know, Gruyere. I don't even know. I don't buy cheese. But um, but yeah, it's tasty. I mean, what's the big deal? There's, you know, 15 kinds of plant milks, if we can still call them milks legally. And there's many kinds of butter substitutes and many kinds of ice cream substitutes and sour cream and yogurt and coffee creamer. So, yes, they can get off dairy, boom, and have very little pain in the process. And very often, acne, GI upset, migraines and other things improve. And you've got them into the idea that food really is information to the body. Is information? Right. Say more, say more about you that. You believe it. Say, well, say more about that. You know. So it's kind of interesting. I, I just wrote a little uh, book chapter, but um, 1993, the Human Genome Project was announced. And I think I got the date right. I don't think it was 2013, 2003. But, um, you know, an earthworm has 30,000 genes. When this project was announced, a combination of the NIH and Craig Venter out in San Diego, it was discovered we have about 21, 22,000 genes. We have less genes than an earthworm. And really, if you even look at it now, all these years later, you know, the era of genomic, genetic ability to treat disease is very close to being on the horizon, but not much has happened. Um, very soon after that, we learned a different term, epigenetic. We may not have many genes, but we've got a much more elegant system that turns on and turns off genes compared to an earthworm. 
the best example of that is Dr. Dean Ornish doing studies on men with prostate cancer. You give up your bad diet for a plant diet plus a little meditation, walking, and love and support. In three months, all these genes that promote cancer turn off and all these genes that promote healing turn on. So food, food did that. Food speaks to our genetic material in terms of what it's going to do. And that gets to why plants are anti-inflammatory. It actually shuts down the output of our genes and our ribosomes and the proteins we make. NF-kappa-B, if anybody's a biochemical plant fan. Um, so, yeah, food is information, and it's just, you know, instant information. I mean, it, you know, what you eat now is in your bloodstream in 40 minutes. It's circulating to every endothelial cell, causing constriction and platelet aggregation and atherosclerosis, or it's not. I'd rather have blood that's chemotherapeutic. I'd rather have blood that's anti-atherosclerotic, and, uh, and that's possible to do. Brightly colored fruits and vegetables, you know, organic more than conventional if your budget allows. Great. I know we only have a couple more minutes. I want to give people a chance to find you. I want you to um, talk about your book. We're, we're doing uh, we're doing a video so people can watch this on on YouTube, but also for just people who are just listening who don't who have the the pleasure of, of seeing your uh, Shane Punham. Your beautiful oh, thank face. you very much. Thank you. Yes, um, but now the plant based solution came out January two thousand eighteen. It's very up to date. It's a simple book to read, but pretty much everything we talked about is. Uh, in there with references and a little more embellished. I am in Detroit, Michigan, the Khan Center for Cardiac Longevity. I own three restaurants, Green Space Cafe, two in Detroit, one in Austin, Texas, a food truck, and uh, drjoelkahn.com, D-R-J-O-E-L-K-A-H-N.com, drjoelkahn.com. As you know, Hart, I'm very active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and my professional Facebook page, Dr. Joel Kahn. Great, great. One last question. Do you have any plans to um, franchise? Because it seems like you figured out a bunch of things that, you know, I was thinking like, you know, if I or my daughter or, or folks wanted to start something up, you know, you probably have a lot of intelligence about uh, plant-based food startups that we don't. I give you the same advice I got. How do you make a, a small fortune in the restaurant business? You start with a large fortune. <laughs> <laughs> It's a challenging business. We are going to expand. Um, I mean, we grew to three locations in less than three years, uh, and we're regrouping, and that's what we're marching on now. I, um, smaller is better. We have a grab-and-go, fast, casual concept that's doing very well. Startup costs are less, and I think that's the model. It's called Green Space and Go in Royal Oak, Michigan. I think that's a model that will be... Um, uh, duplicating, but absolutely, um, it's needed. I mean, I own elegant, beautiful. Uh, two of the three are completely organic restaurants. The third one's non-GMO and largely organic. I mean, this is high end. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song "Sabali Don," the dance of peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Fulkinowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gillis, Sarah David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, 
Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, and Olive Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Izatuzin Wah, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parang Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sawyer Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>